<laughs> hopefully, we're going to slowly start uh, going on here. There's nobody on here yet. Um, but it says I'm live. Where am I? Let's see if it's all on the regular stuff. Anchored in Hope 57. You got it. Here we go. And there's one watching. Wow. Nobody's watching. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I know we're live because I am on the other thing and it says I am live. Let's just make sure that we're with everything else here. Can you hear me? Is anybody there? Are you okay? Am I okay? What's going on? Okay. Someone give me a thumbs up or put something in here in the live chat. Say hi, just so I know that you are there. Yes, Father. Perfect. Thank you, Robert. Mo, he, I can hear you. That's about time. Mo, it's her first time here, and uh, they didn't have it set up. So I have to blame somebody. So guess who it's going to be? Yes, Mo. Anyway, so we're going to go. So you are on Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am in my office uh, for podcasting, but um, the podcast thing is not on. So we're doing it through my phone. So hopefully I have enough battery. Ooh, what I'm going to do is to, I'm going to take it off. No notifications received. I'm sorry. They're supposed to do that now through the, uh, and, you know, through the Hope TV. It's supposed to send out one. But again, we're just uh, doing this. Hi, Harry. Okay. So we'll take this so it's natural here. I got my glasses. Let's pray. In the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Father, great God of love and mercy, we come into your presence and we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit to help us to truly seek your will, do your will, live your will all the days of our life. Help us to pierce the darkness with the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, we don't need that because we're all on my phone, so it won't be as good. So uh, please don't sit there and say, you know, it's not loud enough, Father. This is as loud as it goes. Let me double check just to make sure. Yep, so there we go. So it's gonna be uh, just the way it is because again, we can't use our system for whatever reason. So again, welcome to the Reason for Our Hope, uh, Anchored in Hope. Uh, podcast. So this hour, we just sit there and you ask me questions and I answer them. We have a lot on uh, line and uh, I got some stuff on a um, uh, some people on my phone, but I can't get to it right now. <laughs> so what are you going to do? So let's go. Um, no notification. Hi, it may be that that was no notification. I just stumbled across it when I opened YouTube. Well, there you go. Anyway, so um, we are in the midst of uh, summer here. My assistant left here uh, last weekend. My seminarian's been gone. He comes back Friday, and then he'll be here for two more weeks. And then I'm going to be coming to, I'm uh, going on vacation in August uh, to London, which uh, we haven't uh, completely finalized that yet, but I'll be in London for a week, and we hope to stay in right in downtown London. And then I'm going out to Phoenix again for my buddies uh, who's going to be made bishop there, Bishop John Dolan, the first week of August. 
And so I'm excited about, uh, and then I'm in September, I'm going, God willing, to Spain to walk the Camino um, with some friends from Florida. So we're still working. They, they already got their book, their things filled, but I, it's going to be hard for me to get there. They're leaving a day ahead of time. They could care less that I happen to not be able to leave on that Sunday, but they're going to go without me anyway. And I'm going to go and be late, so we'll see how that happens. So anyway, let's get right into everything here this morning, this afternoon. Satanic, yeah, but he can go to hell, say, and forget it. Okay. For question, would you ever have considered wearing a cassock instead of just clericals? I've wore a cassock all my priesthood. Um, I have one hanging in the office, uh, in my in the bedroom on the first floor, in case uh, I'm in shorts or something, and someone comes to the door, or I'll hear my confessions in cassocks, or if I hear if I do uh, stations of the cross, I usually do a cassock. You know, I'm just, uh, I just wouldn't wear a cassock like to the hospital or driving around because I think it's clerical. It draws too much attention to ourselves. Uh, and there's something about guys wearing dresses that drive me insane. And a cassock is a dress. It's a clerical dress, but it's a dress. So I'm not that comfortable in doing it when I have, I'm trying to walk and I have my uh, thing. But again, to each his own, to each his own. That's just uh, not my thing. But I do wear a cassock. My classmates wear a cassock. The one loves to wear his cassock because he's a Monsignor, so he gets a different coward classic than the rest of us. But um, other ones, they like to wear their cassock and they drive around the city. Again, I just think it's, uh, you know, clerics are called to point to Jesus, not to me as a cleric priest. You know, and so it's supposed to be my signing of dying to the world. And the, 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 the white here is the, the light shining forth. But the light isn't Father Larry Richards. It isn't the priesthood. It's Jesus Christ. Now, we're incorporated into that. But too often, people are looking at me or they're looking at what I dress instead of looking at Jesus. And if I bring people only to me and not Jesus, I'm in sin. My own pride and vanity has taken over. In my own life, and again, I have drawn people to me, but I always say, if they do come to me, hopefully they're coming through me to Jesus. The whole point is to draw everyone to Jesus because Father Larry ain't going to save anybody. You know, Father Larry says stupid things. Every other word that comes out of his mouth. So look to Jesus, not Father Larry. Father Larry's a jerk. So uh, I always say it's like that. You've heard the story, though, at on uh, Ash, uh, not Ash Wednesday, on Palm Sunday, when Jesus is riding the ass and, you know, he's going through and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, the ass thought they were speak calling, uh, they were praising him instead of Jesus. Sometimes we priests are that donkey or that ass and we think they're, they're cheering for us, but they better be cheering for Jesus. Huh? So again, that's uh, it's just me, but yes. Okay, thanks for the question, Lawrence of Las Vegas. Hi, Father. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Any suggestions on how to make praying my the rosary more prayerful? I feel like I'm just, oh, please. The best thing, <coughs> the best way to say the rosary is first ask the Blessed Mother to take you by the hand and to lead you in the rosary. Because it's like no one, like these glasses, huh? These are my uh, cheaters. And I put cheaters on so I can see things closer better. 
uh, I don't get stuck on the glasses. So when you say a rosary, you don't get stuck on Mary. It's like putting a pair of cheaters on. No one looked at Jesus more than Mary did. Nobody. And so when you look at um, the life of Jesus or the life of Mary, you're supposed to be looking through Mary to Jesus. So the best thing to do, like again, when you're saying a rosary, and just let's meditate on the birth of Jesus, okay? So the Hail Marys are supposed to be a mantra. Like often people will sit there and say, Father, uh, you always talk about going slow when you're praying the Our Father as community or as a personally. I go, yes, but I don't encourage that while you're saying the rosary because it's a different type of prayer. The prayers are become, is like a mantra that's creating a state of meditation so you can enter into the vision of the life of Jesus. So again, let's say you're at, uh, you're, it's the joyful mysteries and you're meditating on the, um, uh, the birth of Jesus. So you enter into it. So Mary says, here, come watch this with me. And you sit there and you're in the cave and you can smell the manure and you can smell um, the hay and you can smell the body odor they didn't wear, um, uh, you know, B.O. in those days, even though I was once doing this meditation with someone. The Holy Family did not have B.O. Of course, body odor, everybody has. It's just part of being human. I'm sorry. You know, different people have different body odors. We cover up our body odors by wearing deodorant, but I promise you they didn't wear deodorant. And so the woman says, they smelled like roses. Okay, whatever you want. If you want to smell roses when you're in the meditation, smell roses when you're in the meditation. But you're in there, and you see it's a dirty cave. It's all dirty. You know, they weren't pristine when they were wearing things. Everything wasn't pure white or whatever. So you try to get there, and you watch Jesus be born. However Jesus was born, we're not going to get into that. But you watch, and Joseph is there, and you can say again, someone says, well, this didn't happen. But Joseph would have been the first one to receive communion in the hand because he had to hold Jesus when he came out. Huh? And so however that happened, and then Joseph takes Jesus and he places him in our Blessed Mother's arms. And you're just watching this with amazement that the God the universe cannot contain would humble himself before each of us and become a baby. It's self, selfless, vulnerable, totally dependent baby. That's God. And while you're sitting there, just contemplating the great humility of God to be born of a woman, to become one with us in all things, 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And this God, you're just watching and you're like, whoa. And then Mary sees you there and she looks at you and she says, hey, would you like to hold him? And then you take Jesus and you hold Jesus in your arms. And as you're holding Jesus in your arms, you're thinking, wow, you get to do this every time you go to communion. Not only that, but Mary had Jesus in her womb for nine months. You and I, by the moment we were baptized, have Jesus in our being from the moment of baptism. And so we hold him, and as we hold him, he becomes one with us. He enters into us. 
And that becomes so real every single time we go to communion. Every single time. So you just got to think about it. So when you, you meditate or you're, you're meditating on the, uh, the death of Jesus and he's on the cross and you're looking at him and you see he's naked and all the, all the open wounds and the flesh that's hanging and the people are uh, screaming at him and yelling at him and he's crying out, Father, forgive them. And as you're standing at the bottom of the cross, a drop of the blood that comes from the nail in his hand slowly falls down and hits you in the face. You are saved by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus. That's how you enter in to say in the rosary. When I ever get done with this uh, uh, Lord's Prayer book, I hope to then do something on the Hail Mary and really enter into the rosary and to, to make it uh, more real when people say it. You know, so they can truly enter into the mystery. Sometimes we make our prayer uh, otherworldly almost. And every time we enter into prayer, we're entering into the community of God. But prayer is, we're still where we are. And we can still be transported. Like every time we go to Mass, we're being transported to heaven. But it's not like a la-la transportation. It's we're still where we are. We're still eating his body, blood. He's still dying. He's still rising. All this stuff that everything has to become one. So to me, prayer got to be very real. But it got to let us touch the eternal. And that's what happens. So I hope that helps. Uh, it helps me when I'm saying the rosary and I'm praying. So, okay. How do Thank you, Father, for all you do. Thank you. So glad you have fun vacations planned. You definitely deserve them. I am in such need of a vacation. And you got to pray to me for me because, uh, <laughs> did you see, they see that. Because um, tomorrow I have to give, uh, I give for my checkup. And my last checkup was um, in October, right before I went to Italy. And my blood sugar was below six. And uh, my weight was about 175 pounds. Now I have... No idea what my A1C is going to be. It's going to probably be over 10, maybe even 11. My weight is up 20 pounds. Um, I haven't taken my blood in the last couple of weeks because I hate when it gets bad and I, I try to not deal. I talk about dealing with reality. Sometimes I don't deal with reality in my own life because of all the things since October. It's really like everybody knows it's taken me for a loop and I have to get out of this loop. And so hopefully... Um, Within the next two weeks, I get to um, get my life back in gear physically. Someone asked me, a good friend, Thomas, Dr. Thomas, who's up in Canada, and he texted me and he says, so father, how are you doing? And I said, I am spiritually a 10 and I am physically and psychologically a three. <laughs> he goes, oh, so again, just pray that... Uh, Things go well tomorrow, and then I see the doctor in two weeks to go through all that stuff. But usually I get a fatty liver and everything else, and it's a fatty liver not because of alcohol, thank you very much, but because of all the triglycerides and fat and everything else. So, um, And the biggest thing that I, I read, a book, it's an unbelievable book called Diabetes Code. And when I read that, that's how I got down to, uh, I know exactly what I got to do. I know exactly what I got to do to be healthy. Exactly. It's all the stress. Uh, 
I just have a lot of stress. But the, my doctor, Tom, uh, Dr. Fong, wrote The Diabetes Code, and by far it's the best book. If anyone is a diabetic, I, I really suggest you read The Diabetes Code. But it talks about fasting, no carbs, and all this stuff to keep you healthy. And it brought everything down perfect to me as long as I follow it. And I was following it, and I've been fasting and everything for, oh my, at least five years. Perfect. Everything's perfect. Great. Terrific. Uh, then my dogs died. My mother died. Everything died. And uh, I, uh, the, my addiction, of course, would be food. Now, I'm not big and fat, but I have got, uh, you know, put the 20 pounds on, and I'll get it together. So pray that I get my all my other stuff uh, good stuff. Okay. Let's go on here. Do, 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 do. So, slow with the Our Father. A friend who is 80 plus showed off that she can say the Our Father in English. I showed off, said to not repair her in French. Both of us slowly, she said to not the Paternoster fast. I'll tell you these people. Again, I was just thinking when I was praying the Lord's Prayer this morning at Mass about what a privilege it is to talk to God, to really be in his presence, and to really encounter the living God and call him Father. And so often we just go into automatic pilot at Mass or never, and the Father's just saying, uh, I'm right here, why aren't you talking to me? I am, I'm saying the Lord's Prayer. I know you're saying the Lord's Prayer. You're not praying the Lord's Prayer. That's why I always, you know, and again, I don't, uh, you know, it's the Mass, isn't me, that was created before me, but I always kind of drove me crazy that, um, like during the Mass, it says we dare to say instead of we dare to pray. Because saying and praying is two entirely different things. And again, when I was ordained uh, 33 years ago, I was with Bishop Murphy, and I asked him the night before, I said, Bishop, or the night of we were going to be ordained. I said, Bishop, how come we never at Mass tell God that we love him? And it's, I think we might say it once or twice a whole year that we look at God the Father and say, Father, we love you. I think that's just sad. Again, the church knows more than me, but I always thought, gosh. And another thing that came to me the other day is rarely, rarely at Mass do we say thank you. So at Mass, the most perfect prayer, we rarely say, I love you, God, or even we love you. And we rarely say, thank you. And I just think that those are two things in our own personal prayer that we really got to be talking about. We gotta tell our Father that we love him because the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And thank you is one of the most simple and uh, true prayers. That thank you, God. Thank you for all the things you do for me. Huh? And then we have to listen and everything else, but good. Okay, slow with the Our Father, okay. Father, your thoughts about cremation and pulling the plug on a terminal ill patient. First, about pulling the plug. I am a firm believer that uh, death is the most natural thing that we do next to being born. And so uh, to let a person go naturally, you yourself are allowed to die naturally. 
You don't have to get extraordinary means. Like if you get cancer, you don't have to go through chemo that's going to make you sicker and kill you. It might give you an extra month of life. True life is in heaven. Now, all that is true except for when it comes to eating and drinking because those are natural, non-intrusive ways of living. Huh? You don't want anybody to uh, die of starvation or anything. Now, there comes the point where the body shut down and uh, like with my mother, we tried everything to give her. She was eating and then she couldn't and we put stuff in for food and drink and it set her into shock. It made it worse. So we had to let her go naturally. And uh, that's okay. It's okay because God created us and God can take us home. And so, uh, so that's the first part, that it's okay to let someone go naturally. The second thing about cremation is I am not into cremation myself, but the church allows it. And if the church allows it, then it's okay. As long as it, the church allows it, as long as you're not saying that I, I'm going against the resurrection of the body. So it used to be the church uh, would not allow cremation, but now right in our, uh, our the, the, the ritual, it talks there's a cremation part. So uh, yeah, but the biggest thing about cremation is that the body... The body uh, has to be treated with respect. So you can't just sit there and, um, you know, put her, uh, put your mother or father or whatever has been cremated in a, uh, you know, thing around your neck or put her on the mantle. It needs to be buried because that was uh, their body. Our bodies are the temple of the living God where God decides to dwell. Now, when you and I... Um, um, Think about our own bodies. We don't see it as the place where God dwells. But that's the very true uh, teaching of the church, that we are the temple of the living God. We are the place that God dwells. And sometimes there's that false humility and says, oh, no, God doesn't dwell in me. I'm too sinful. <laughs> no, you got to stop being sinful, and God's still dwelling with you either way. So you deal with it, and you move on, or you don't. So... Uh, Yes, so again, you're allowed to be cremated and you're allowed to let people die naturally. So you can pull the plug uh, at any time. People do not have to artificially be uh, kept going, okay? I am going to turn on a fan here that they gave me because it's very hot in here because, of course, uh, I am the, the president of the foundation, the founder, but I get the far, far room so I get where no air conditioning throughout the place except for the room they gave me. I, I think they're trying to kill me here. <laughs> That's, <the thing. laughs> That's not true, but I wanted to say it anyway. Okay. Okay, so I hope that helped RJ, a.k.a. Pagan Paul. Well, it's good you finally took it and you took the name, Paul, a.k.a. Pagan Paul. Great to hear you. I hope you're doing well. When you are in prayer time, how do you know you are hearing the voice of God? Is it an inner voice? Is it thoughts that are coming from him? You can always tell the voice of God because it'll bring you peace, huh? And so uh, our own voice, like again, my voice goes in my head constantly and it usually brings me uh, anger or I'm upset or fear or whatever. So I can always tell my own voice. 
But then I can always tell the voice of God because it instantly brings me peace. And more than a peace for the moment, but it just grounds me. Again, I talked about a couple of weeks ago when I was flying uh, out from Phoenix and it was a bumpy hour and I, everybody knows I'm not a, uh, I fly all the time, but I don't like it, uh, especially if it gets crazy. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm saying my prayers, Jesus, I trust in you. And I'm just breathing and saying, okay, Lord. And then the voice of God came and said, I want you to stop thinking about yourself and your fear. And I want you to start praying to me for all the people who are afraid on this plane right now. <sighs> You're right, Lord, I'm sorry. And then I start praying for them, interceding for them. And then peace came to me in the midst of that. So when I focus on me and my words and all these things, fear and uh, all that stuff can come. But when the Lord speaks and he says, I want you to uh, uh, focus on other people right now and I want you to start praying for them, uh, it's the voice of God. You know, there's a peaceful thing there. So in his will is our peace. That's always the best way to look at that, huh? Let me just say, see that this thing is on. Give me one moment here. That's better, huh? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so hopefully that helps. Judith, some churches kneel during consecration after the Lamb of God and some don't. The churches are in the same diocese. Will you comment? We, and for the last, oh my, 25 years have been a diocese that none of us would kneel after the Lamb of God because our old Bishop Troutman said, that that turns it into a private prayer, so we all had to stand until the last person received communion. Our bishop, you know, our, uh, the new bishop, who's not new, he's been here six years or seven or ten years, what am I talking about? Anyway, so, and he didn't change it out of respect for the previous bishop. But then about, um, I don't know, six months ago, he said, it's time, we should kneel after the Lamb of God. Um, there's theology for both, huh? You know, in part of the early church, you were forbidden to kneel, um, if you'd ever do the history, uh, because we were Easter people, uh, and that was a penitential act. And so uh, the Mass, of course, in the beginning, was all about uh, sharing in the resurrected life of Christ. And you can read more about that if you just talk, show about kneeling in the church during Mass. Um, and so the theology is, for people who don't kneel, that we're standing as a resurrected people. And when we do the, uh, even the uh, consecration prayer, we thank you that we can stand in your presence and serve you. So the very words of uh, consecration talks about standing in the presence of God. Um, I like, of course, kneeling after the Lamb of God. I was one of the ones that pushed for it, but because we're humbling ourselves before God, not so much as a penitential, uh, act, but as a humility, an act of humility. So, um, usually it's done by dioceses, not by parishes. Um, and some places, I think, you know, they let people do what they want. I think that causes too much disunity. Um, but again, I am in favor of kneeling as an act of humility, not as an act of penance. Okay? So, 
Now, there are times for acts of penance, though. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about during Mass, uh, during after the Lamb's gone, to be right there with you. Okay. Check it about uh, diabetes training camp for adults. Thank you, Denise. Uh, diet, it is. How are the car tickets going? Oh, I think we have about, uh, they're $100 each. And so I think we've sold maybe 20 so far. I haven't put anything out for that. Um, but I'd encourage you, if you want to make a donation to my parish, and our parish numbers are down, and our money's down, everything's been down. So this year we need our um, uh, raffle more than ever. We have a uh, 2022 um, Z4, it's a convertible to a Cedar a BMW. You can go to our website, St. Joe's B-O-L. Dot org St. Joe's BOL.org. And as soon as you get there, it'll, it'll show you all the car and I'll show you how to get a ticket. You can get everything on there for those of you who are just watching and want to help out our parish. That would be, I always tell people, this is not about gambling people. You're giving a $100 donation to help my parish so we can continue because we're an inner city parish. And by doing that, you might also win a, a $60,000 car or $50,000. So it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of being generous. And, uh, and the person that won the car last year is, uh, was in Texas. And he was just someone who wanted to support the parish and God blessed him abundantly. So again, uh, and Hope TV is great. Thank you. Yeah, it takes a new registration login to get on there. So uh, again, it's still not officially 100% together, but if anybody's interested, just go to your app store on whatever phone uh, you're using and just put our, O-U-R, Hope TV, and it'll give you the app. And all of my talks, everything on there is 100% free now. Um, and so you can just put in the search, like I'm depressed or I need hope or, you know, uh, whatever. And there'll be a talk or two or 10 or 20 that you can listen to that'll help you uh, do that. Okay. Jay Susan, you keep retracting all your stuff. You post and then you retract. You can put something on, don't worry. Uh, AKA Paul the Pagan. Uh, Dr. Fung's diabetes code is awesome. Thanks for recommending it to me. It helps uh, me a lot when I'm not distracted with stress either. See, I know. But Paul, that just because I'm stressful right now doesn't give you an excuse to be stressful right now. So you stay faithful to that uh, stuff here. Dr. Matthew Corrigan st uh, started a camp and it's best uh, endocrinologist. Well, good. Because I have not been, to tell you the truth, and all the endocrinologists or colleagists, I haven't been impressed with any of them. Even when I was in a hospital with diabetes ketosis because of the medicine they put me on, they made me eat carbs. And I'm sitting there saying, you're all out of your mind. And they were, they, he put me, and I'm fighting with the, the, the diabetes doctor because he was putting me on, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, insulin. I said, no, you're not giving me insulin. And I said, would you just check my insulin? 
and my insulin levels were, let's say they're supposed to be 10, and I don't know the number, but my insulin levels were like 200. And then he wanted to put more insulin in me. I go, no, it wasn't because I was being bad. I was on this Jardis, and Jardis you can't fast on, and it put me into diabetic ketosis. And he says, well, I'm the doctor. And I said, it's my body. You let me go. And, let, and then they're saying, here, Father, you need to order this. You need to have more carbs. I said, I don't need to have more carbs. I'm a diabetic. I said, what kind of hospital is this? You know, I said, so... Yeah. But okay, that's a good thing. Dr. Fung is also a, a diabetes doctor. and a, 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 So he does good things. And again, it's unbelievable what it does if you follow it. Okay, Marion Martin. Father, I like this format using your phone. I feels like it right next to me. There you go. I'm kind of closing. Anyway, good. Ah, Barbara P. I recently returned to Mass after being away for years. Welcome back. I noticed the responses have changed. Why? Why do we uh, now say under my roof instead of just I am not worthy to receive you? It goes back to the more original Latin. So if you haven't been to church in a while, is it about, um, oh, it changed at least uh, 12, 15 years ago. And uh, they tried to, like when, the thing after Vatican II came out, and they they tried to take the Latin and fit it in to the English. So it wasn't a direct translation. It was more of a, excuse me, a way for us to, uh, to take the Latin and make it real in the English. And so that's the way the translators did it. Then we got some... Um, liturgists and some people says no it needs to be uh, right exactly from the latin none of this uh, flowery stuff it stays with the latin so that's why if you notice uh, there's not many periods or commas there's long sentences and a lot of this stuff just doesn't make sense to me you know when they brought it on i thought the one i grew up with the one i memorized the one i said for uh 20 years of priesthood was fine but no, 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 it has to be changed. So one of the things was, it used to be under my roof. And so they put it back to under my roof because uh, it's closer to the original Latin and they want to show unity. Again, I understand why everybody and the church did it. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. I'll always submit to it. I'm not going to do my own thing, but I still don't like it, you know? So that's always what I say if it comes to whatever, uh, whether it be the Pope or anything else. You don't have to like it. You don't have to sit there and agree with everything, but you got to submit and do as he asks, period. You know, someone, uh, like on one of my podcasts in the past where I talked about, you know, uh, you need to humble yourself. I will not, 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 and he's screaming and yelling and carrying on. So I, okay, goodbye. You know, so, but anyway, let's get some, uh, I haven't got into any of the emails yet, so let's do that. A group of us have been talking for some time about joining you on a trip to the Holy Land next May. Are you concerned about safety, concerning potential of civil unrest in the area? Uh, Diane, come. I love the Holy Land. And, uh, you know, again, we were just sitting there talking. More people are getting killed in America right now than they are in the Holy Land. Uh, with all the mass killings and all this stuff, all the shootings, I think there's been over 300 last count of mass killings since the first of the year in America. That doesn't happen in the Holy Land. You see uh, guards all over the place. Now, again, it doesn't mean something couldn't happen, but there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of guards that are protecting uh, things. I feel very safe in the Holy Land. I encourage you. And when we go to the Holy Land, this will be my third time taking people over, we have a ball, meaning 
that during the day we go to all the spots and we wake up real early so we get to say Mass in the Holy Sepulchre. Um, we get to do Stations of the Cross where Jesus did. We get to go to Galilee and um, be in the boat, be out in Galilee just the way Jesus. We get to go to the Mount of Beatitudes. We go to Bethlehem and we go to the place where Jesus was born. We go to uh, the place of the Annunciation, which is one of my favorite places. I have an icon from there that I got there where Mary said yes. Salvation history began right there. We go to the place of the Visitation, at least we did last time. Um, and there's nothing like that no matter where we are, Jesus is there. So don't ever make a decision out of fear. Because fear is from the evil one. Always make a decision out of peace. Is this where the Lord's calling you? You know, so, uh, but again, even think about it. If we do go over and they kill us, we get to be martyrs. We get to go right to heaven. Wouldn't that be fun? So whatever, do not be afraid. Come, come, we're going to have a fine time. We're leaving for the Holy Land on May 10th of next year. We, I think there's 38 people that are signed up, which is more than enough to take a tour over there. So you would be most welcome to come and be with us. We're going to have a fine time. Some of the guys uh, last week, they just talked about uh, coming that was with me. We're going to have a fine time. So I encourage you, if you haven't been to the Holy Land, come. It's a great price for the 10 days that we're going to be there, including airfare. I think it's $4,800 or whatever. But for all that's included, most meals, airfare, and 10 days, some of the best hotels, it's fantastic. So me and John Edwards are going. John Edwards is the, um, the guy in the pew. You can look up some of his stuff. He's a good guy. He makes me look small. He's a big, big guy. Um, Great story, too, but I encourage it. If you're interested, just go to, put just put Father Larry, the Holy Land. It's with Selectors International, Selectors. Uh, you can go there and uh, sign up. So I encourage you. You're most welcome to do that. Okay. Michael Glad, regarding Angel's name story, please finish. <laughs> it's not a good reality. I got in trouble on EWTN years ago for it. And Rome said you can't do it, but just to, for that reality, years ago, my spiritual director, who's a saint by definition, um, sat there and says, ask God to give you the name of your guardian angel. I said, oh, what are you talking about? Ask for a name of my guardian angel. How do I do that? He says, you go downstairs in front of the blessed sacrament because we were at a, a retreat center. And you say, Jesus revealed to me the name of my guardian angel. I said, okay, Pete. So I went downstairs. I had to open up the Bible. So that's what you do. You pray to the God to reveal you the name of your guardian angel, and you open up the Bible, and the first word you come to, the or the big name or whatever, not like the or ah, uh, um, that's the name of your guardian angel. So I went down, and I said, okay, Lord, remind, re reveal to me the name of my guardian angel. Now, it's different than name your guard, naming your guardian angel because the name your guardian angel would just show you have possession over it because you're naming him. This is asking God to reveal to you the name of your guardian angel. So I said, okay, Lord, reveal to me the name of my guardian angel. And I opened up the book, the Bible, and it says, we want Barabbas. <laughs> oh, I would have Barabbas as a guardian angel. <laughs> now, again, when I was at EWTN, I said this on the, the, I had the mass on the feast day of the guardian angels. And I told them, I said, I don't think this right was, I was preaching. And it's always good because it's the morning mass and I could make the people laugh. And the other priest says, how did you get those people to laugh? The Holy Spirit. Anyway, so I sat there and uh, 
So I says it was the Feast of the Guardian Angels. I was down there. I, I, I think they must have. They might have taken it off the air because um, they were really mad. I was in the Adoration Chapel. I mean, uh, praying later in the day, and the head of theology come up to me, and he says, Father Larry, uh, you have to retract what you said. And I said, what are you talking about? And so he told me, and he, and he didn't tell me why. He said, the Vatican said no. But you know why this even came up? Because who was the first one to say this on national, international TV? Mother Angelica said it. So I'm just telling you, it was there. That's why Roman had to make a, a thing about it. So... Uh, Again, though, it's not okay by Rome because you're not supposed to do that type of stuff, but that's the story and uh, as it happened. So, and it was true. I still call my, my guardian angel Barabbas, but don't tell anybody. Okay. Robert, God bless you, Father. Your mom's resting. I know. I don't know. I'm sorry I got emotional there. I haven't been emotional at all. Uh, but it kind of sneaks in, and then I'm not like, I'm not prepared for that. It's like, oh, jeez. Um, so have you sacrificed anything for your forward moving health uh, just saying just you just saying <laughs> it uh, it's a common there's a lot the, the, the thing just to be totally honest with you it's been I've been in a, uh, a depression and it's been hard to get out of the depression so uh, you can give these excuses or not excuses this uh um, stuff and I do it all the time helping other people um, it's just it, it it got a hold of me and it I've been trying to get it out and like again after this I'll see my counselor and last week I asked specifically tell me some things to do to get out of this because it's got me in a funk and he gave me some things and uh, I have to just uh, um, you know if any of you have ever struggled with this and I haven't struggled with this but, in years, but it's been so bad that actually both my eyebrows, will, my, my heads uh, will start to spaz because of the stress in, that in my life right now. So I'm trying to, uh, um, but I have so much going on in that. I'm functioning, I'm fine. I just, it's a, it's a season of life. And as all seasons of life, you, you just gotta get through it sometimes. Huh? I'm not in despair or any of that stuff. My just, uh, I'm just in this funk, and it's going to take, uh, it, I, I would have thought that this would have, I'd have been out of this faster. Um, on the second was the fourth anniversary of my mother's death, and I thought, oh, give me a month or so. And it's four months, I, and I just don't, I just don't get it. So we're working on it, and thank you for your advice, but sometimes I know everything. I know um, everything to get out of it but sometimes it just i don't i just don't uh have the energy for it you know now for this kind of stuff do this of course i can do it all by god's grace because it's ministry for him but often it's in our own lives where we silently struggle i just don't silently struggle because i have a podcast and people ask me these things and uh, that's the problem and i afterwards i always think it's too much information to be telling you people this stuff um because, and again, I, it's my weaknesses, it's my, uh, it's my struggles. And I just think that sometimes you need to, we all need to see that we're all struggling. And yet we can still be faithful 
we can still uh, do God's will, but we can still all be struggling and trying to get out of a season of our life. So that's why your prayers are important um, so I can get through this season sooner as opposed to later. Okay, but thank you very much for that. And I'm sorry for even talking about this stuff. Uh, again, it's, it's hard, but okay. Do-do-do-do-do, a former Catholic I know goes to a non-Catholic church. I asked how she could walk away from the Eucharist. She said that was only true when Jesus went on earth, not true. How response to her? I always, again, said, Jesus said, I am with you always. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. When Jesus said that, he had not yet died. So uh, later on in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they dedicate himself to the teaching the apostles, to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, which is the mass and the prayers. When Jesus, uh, after the resurrection in Luke's gospel on the road to Emmaus, he's walking and notice that the road to Emmaus, and it's just all goes scriptural. Um, uh, Paul, I mean, uh, they said, what about these things? And then he, he opens the scriptures for them and he gives a homily and then he breaks the bread and he, uh, he said, they said, stay with us. And so the way Jesus stays with us is he sits down and he says mass. And then uh, as soon as he said, this is my body, he disappears to show them the Eucharist. In, John, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, uh, do you not realize uh, that you are the body of Christ? And he says, uh, like, um, no, I don't have the time for the scriptures, but there's a lot of scriptures. I just encourage you to go into the scriptures, go into Google and say scriptures that support the real presence. And you're going to find all kinds of things. Okay. Do, do, do. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Holy Family. Hello, Father. I pray that you are well. When is the time to consecrate for the scapular? Does, how does consecration happen? Thank you. Stay healthy. Uh, there's an actual prayer. It's a consecration for the scapular is a uh, Carmelite thing. I wear a scapular around my neck right now. We were installed in it when I right uh, after we received our first communion, and I've always wore a scapular. I put one on my mother uh, before she died because the promise is, of course, that uh, whoever dies wearing this shall not suffer eternal hell. So she died with a scapular, and I buried her with that scapular. Um, so. But there's a, if you ever order one, there's usually uh, the thing in Latin and English, uh, you just get a priest to install you in the scapular. You got to make sure, I mean, some of the priests don't believe in that stuff, uh, don't ask. But uh, find someone who believes that and is willing to install you in the scapular. You can still wear the scapular and ask Our Lady to take you as her own uh, and then later get, uh, she takes you like that. But you can then get installed later on. How do I know that I am praying rather than saying prayers? Again, whether you're having a true encounter with Jesus. Now, like when I just did this men's conference a couple of weeks ago, I said to the men, uh, a lot of you do just say prayers, but you haven't had an encounter with God. So I want you to have an encounter with God. And so I took them through a prayer experience. And again, you can get a prayer experience by going and downloading the app, um, our Hope TV, and just put, listen to my talk on prayer. And in that talk, right in the midst, I will put you through the same experience that I did with the men I was just with, um, so you can have an experience of God. 
I'll walk you through that. So all you have to do is listen to it on prayer and then it says, okay, I'm gonna take you through this prayer experience. And then like some people listen to it every night because I walk them into this, you know, to be still, to breathe, to imagine Jesus in front of you. And I think you really need to uh, have that experience so you can come to know the peace of God and then you'll be able to tell the difference. Okay. Bruce, uh, I will be there next Saturday, the 16th. Will you be at the 415? Yes, I'm the only priest now in uh, St. Joe's, so you got me. Our, pre our mass schedule is going to be changing the first week of August, and we'll only have two masses on a week, and that'll be 415 and 10. And God willing, I'll always have the 10 o'clock mass because our numbers are down and everything else. So we're reducing the numbers of the church, uh, of the masses. We used to have three masses on Sunday, but there was two of us, now I'm by myself, so we're gonna just have one mass because again, our total seating capacity at four masses, we have about 500 people fit at, uh, in our church. We have at, right now four masses on Sunday. That's a seating capacity of uh, uh, 2,000 people. And we only have on average right now 406 people on average that come to mass on a weekend. So we could fit all in one thing. So we're gonna be doing two. It's, you know, some people are, uh, uh, most people have been accepting it, but other people have been really upset. Um, so my number is going to go down again. Um, but again, I got to do what the Lord's telling me to do, what the bishop's telling us to do. We're all trying to do this together uh, with the future. And I says, we can add masses if we get our numbers up. But we got to add masses. Uh, we got to deal with what we're doing now. And hopefully we get to add that. But yes, I always have the masses now. Okay, my God bless you. Thank you. Uh, prayers, Tom, healing. Yep, I will offer something for you. Thank you. I'm praying for you, please. Thank you, Judy. Pagan Paul, arguments for Latin Mass seem to fall short since Jesus and disciples didn't communicate in Latin. Is there any credible basis for the Latin Mass? Yeah, a few people understand Latin. Yes, uh, there's a lot of basis. It was, it was the, the thing for a thousand years, the first thousand years, of course, it was uh, in all different kinds. And still, there's all different kinds of languages, uh, the different uh, Byzantine or the different uh, uh, rituals, not rituals, uh, uh, rites that are in the Latin church. And so um, there is a, a, a lot of reason for it. But again, you got to go back to why did we go to the Latin Mass? It was because it was the Vulgate of the people. That's what, what the people prayed. That's what they spoke. So they always wanted to take Mass. That's why the, uh, the various rites in the church still keep the Marionette rite. Marionite rite still uses the Aramaic. That's the words Jesus uh, spoke, but that's where they spoke. All the, the Greek, Byzantine, they have Greek uh, still in their church because that's what the people spoke. So uh, the Latin became this what the people spoke, and then uh, it became the universal language of the church. But yes, again, I don't know any Latin, so, but, uh, so there's, like, I don't even argue about it anymore. I just, like, uh, do whatever you feel the Lord's calling you to do. If... Uh, as long as it's of the Lord and it's not like someone says, it may, it's more holy. It's not more holy. The same Jesus Christ is on my altar than a Latin altar. It's just that simple. It's pride and vanity that thinks those things. It's all about the way someone wants to pray. If you want to pray that way, absolutely. Just don't judge everybody else who doesn't like that. 
I don't like that, but I would gladly do it if that's for somebody else. Huh? So again, so sometimes we have to watch we don't take our preferences and push them on others or say our way is a better way. If you ask me, the Marianite Mass would be the most perfect because they say the very words that Jesus Christ said. He said the Mass in Aramaic. Huh? So that's, again, but it's a preference thing. So arguments, that, that, that. Children need to come out from those demonic spirits. How do we help these children, Father? A lot of times it isn't just demonic because it's the world, the flesh, and the devil that we fight against, not just the world, not just the devil. So again, as someone said the other day, they came into me and they said, Father, I need exercise. I said, I'm possessed. I said, you're not possessed. Do you believe Jesus Christ lives in you? Of course. Well, then how the heck, unless you, did you invite the devil in? Well, no, did you? No. Well, again, so Jesus is more powerful than devil, is he not? Well, yes. Well, then trust him. Would you focus on him? Don't focus on the evil one. You ever notice nowhere in the, the church or the scriptures, it, when we talk even about the last times, it says, say, focus on Jesus. But these crazy people today are focusing on the Antichrist, on this, on that. That's not focusing on Jesus. The devil's trying to get people to look away from Jesus and look, be afraid, look at the Antichrist. Let's fight against this, let's fight against that. Let's surrender our hearts, our lives, everything we are to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we gotta be doing, if you ask me. Okay. I looked at 399, they're a mass of language congregation, don't understand. I also, uh, very good. And again, it's okay if you like the Latin mass, just don't say it's for everybody else. Mr. Word prohibit, there you go. Jade, we need to turn our eyes on Jesus and keep them exactly correct. Ah, Father, I'm glad I tuned in today. How many times can you receive last rites? <laughs> you only need once, but I gave my mother last rites seven times in seven days because they always said it would be her thing and my mom used to sit there and say you know she thought she was going to go to heaven because she's a priest uh, she's a mother of a priest and I says uh, uh, that doesn't work that way mother I don't get to go to heaven because I'm a priest but by God's grace she did I gave her plenary indulgence moment of uh, uh, last you know re uh, confession absolution the communion I gave her everything so uh, but once is enough okay there you go Okay, now we have another here, and then we have to get out of here. So, my parents, who were faithful Catholics, have not attended Mass since the pandemic, pandemic began in 2020. They're not streaming any Mass. I've asked them and encouraged them to return to Mass. I pray the rosary every day and frequently offer my prayers of the rosary for them, that they would return to reconciliation to Mass. They are elderly and not in the best of health, and I'm very concerned for their salvation. What more can I do to get them back to the church? What I would do is uh, call your priest and have your priest visit them. You know, just have your priest um, for, just ask your priest to go and stop in. And again, there are people who are homebound for other reasons. And so uh, a priest or a minister can take him communion especially now that uh, most of, even though I'm not gonna say most of COVID over, we're starting another pandemic again. Uh, two of my friends have, a lot of people I know at this very moment who have COVID again. So, uh, uh, you know, but you can do that. I just have a priest go and visit your family and he can take care of them. 
Okay, last, last, last question. Hi, Father, God bless, always my prayers, thank you. Paranormal activities are happening at my sister's house. She says that the spirit is mischievous. What can she do? She has holy water and prays. And again, she can have the priest come and bless the house. Again, I have no problems doing that kind of stuff. And uh, the demons or spirits will always listen to a priest. But they'll always listen to a lay person, too, if they know that the power and the authority does not come from them, but by Jesus Christ inside of them. Huh? We have God. We forget so often that Jesus lives inside of us. So focus on him, not on ourselves, okay? Anyway, thank you for turning in today uh, and watching us. I'm sorry for all the stuff that's been going on. Uh, we're trying to get this on today, but we will uh, hopefully be up and running again next week. Uh, again, thank you for your patience. No, I pray for you every day, and I love you, and I just ask you to please pray for me. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed week. See you next week, God willing.